Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Called Bank Sports, where we're going to discuss how worried that we should all be as jazz fans, and if it really is all doom and gloom, or if it's just been kind of a bump in the road that we're going to get past. The Jazz um, have really struggled from behind the arc in their last three games, where they got absolutely demolished by the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they only shot 12 of 44 from behind the arc. Against the Suns, they shot and even worse, 11 of 44. And against the Trailblazers, they shot 13 of 48. So those have been three of the worst three-point games of the entire season for the Jazz. And frankly, I'm thrilled but shocked that they beat the Trailblazers. I'm kind of impressed that the Suns game was as close as it was. And then the Mavericks game was just an abomination and you can go watch my post game review on that, but we're going to get into how should we feel as jazz fans and are the jazz falling off a cliff or is, did this just happen? And you know, crap happens. So Dale, what's kind of, well, what's been the most concerning thing for you this week as you've been following the jazz and watching the games? Yeah. Like I think like you mentioned, I think the most consistent thing that has been, bad every game is the three-point shooting and I feel like a lot of times when teams struggle from the three-point line it's not necessarily the same players who are struggling and it's like it's just one night of one of their volume shooters is struggling the next night another this though I've been looking at the players who have been in the shooting slump and we've had Bojan he's kind of been in a slump for a while Jordan Clarkson has been in a slump for a couple weeks now um Royce O'Neal hasn't been shooting well. Nying has like been up and down. I wouldn't really call it a slump yet. And Joe Ingles just hasn't really been shooting many shots yet. So I don't know if he's in a slump or, or what's going on there, which is forcing Donovan Mitchell to... Like the past two games, the Trailblazers and Suns, Donovan Mitchell had to put up 37 points and 41 points just to keep it close, basically, which I love to see him do, but I don't think that's sustainable if he has to score 40 points in order to keep a game close against a playoff team, then that's a little concerning for the Jazz. Yeah, well, just to note, on Donovan's 37 in Portland, he was only one of eight from three. If he hits one more three-point shot, he's the first Jazz player to have back-to-back 40-point games since Carl Malone in, get this, the 1990-1991 season. Dang. So it's been a hot minute since the Jazz have had players put up back-to-back 40-point games. So I do think Donovan will get there soon, But and we beat Portland, so it doesn't matter. But that's something to watch out for if Donovan's ever able to get those back-to-back 40-point games. Um, it actually might be a regular season thing, since I think Donovan might have done that in the playoffs last year. But, I mean, Donovan had a couple of really good games there, like you said, to his credit. And you're right. I mean, let's look at the three-point shooting in that Portland game. O'Neal, 0 for 2. Bojan, 2 for 5. So 40%, that's good. Gobert didn't make a three-point shot, so typical of him. 1 for 30. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Conley, 2 for 7. So that's if he makes Eh. one more of those shots, then that's a lot better. But he didn't, so that's just kind of how things end up going. And, um, you know... Sometimes you'll have an off night like that, but Donovan one for eight, um, Nyang two for five, so that was pretty good. 
Brantley 0 for 1, Ilyasova 1 for 1, um, Ingles 2 for 8, Oni 1 for 3. So just overall, it was a really bad game for the Jazz. And if they weren't able to go and take advantage with Gobert inside and other players inside in that third corner, in that third quarter, we might have been talking about the third straight Jazz loss to a playoff team in the Western Conference, which would have given us a lot more concern today. I do think that while Portland is obviously not as good as the Suns, the fact that the Jazz beat them on the second night of a back-to-back while while having to travel back from Phoenix after an overtime game, that's why I'm not nearly as concerned as I could be, is because they won this game against Portland. And we'll see how it goes from here. They're playing Sacramento, and they're going to have a bit more rest. But it's going to be a jam-packed, schedule the rest of the season and the jazz might be getting tired. And if this is what happened happens when the jazz get tired, if they're shooting less than 30% from three, that's really concerning for Utah, for the team itself and for the fans. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up that point of them being tired. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that the jazz playing these, uh, it's been mainly nine man rotations. I think they've had a couple eight man rotation games throughout the season, but it's been there's it's been rare to see the Jazz really go past a nine man rotation. Against Portland, they went fourteen man rotation, um, just because they were ahead big towards the end. But do you think just um, sticking to those nine man rotations has led to a lot of these players who we rely on for three point shooting to kind of get tired and 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 not be shooting as consistently as we would expect them to. That's a that's a really interesting question. That might be part of it. I don't think a nine-man rotation is as concerning as it could be. I think when you look at um, the Utah Jazz, and I think typically their players are playing a lot less minutes than um, other teams. They're always around that 32 to 33-minute mark. I do think that if you were able to find a way to maybe get Oni um, into the game a bit more, which would it's kind of a scary time to do that since it's so late in the season, but you, and it's hard because the real question is, I guess, since Royce O'Neal is listed as a power forward, um, but I mean, he's 6'4", 226. So he's probably one of the smallest power forwards in the league. And that really shows how small the Jazz roster is. Now, obviously you have Bojan who um, is playing shooting guard, more or less, or small forward at 6'8". Uh, so th- that's different. But then you have Mia Oni, who um, is about 20 pounds lighter than Royce O'Neal, but at 6'5". And if you're able to get Oni to take some of those minutes off Royce O'Neal's back, and that would also maybe in part be you trying to get Niang um, to take some of those minutes. Let me just double-check Niang's size so I'm not crazy. And Niang 6'7", 230. Since Royce has been abysmal from three these last three games. And according to um, David Locke, the statistics he's pulling, the last few seasons, O'Neal shoots 40 plus percent from three in the first half of the season before the All-Star break and around 30 percent from three in the second half of the season. That's so whether really that's, interesting. Whether that's mental or the fact that according to basketball reference, Royce O'Neal guards the best player on the opposing team the most out of any player in the NBA. And if that's Dang. him 
being exhausted because I mean, he's still a top tier athlete, but he's not a top 10 pick. And you typically expect a top 10 pick to be doing that. Not someone like Royce O'Neal, who also typically, you know, is guarding players like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard, who have a few inches on him, who are a lot longer than him. So if you're able to take some of that burden off of Royce O'Neal, or at least get him him some rest down the stretch so that he can be in better condition for the playoffs, I think that's super important. And there's also some concern that he could be hurt right now, which makes it even which makes it a bigger problem for Utah going down the stretch. And yeah. And at this point, like if he is hurt or anyone is on the tired end, this is the time that I'm not, I would be 100% okay with the jazz resting starters and, and playing more of the bench. Even if the starter is like, if Donovan Mitchell looks a little slow for a couple games, I wouldn't be bothered resting him to one or two games. Just like, get that back because if you look at the jazz schedule they do have they do have some tough games but i feel like it's one of the easier schedules left in the nba and so and with that i feel like they're the favorites to hold on to that one seed and so i'd be okay dropping a couple of these in order to rest players so that when it comes to the playoffs um like we're ready to go and we're playing basketball like we were before the all-star break where we were unstoppable so if that's what it takes, I'd be okay dropping a few right now. Yeah, and I mean, you look at these next four games against Sacramento, Washington, Oklahoma City, Indiana, and all those, that's what? That's a week at home um, along with Portland. So they're going to have like nine, ten days of no flights. They will have to fly out immediately after the Indiana game to get to L.A., but they're going to just be in L.A. over the weekend and not have to fly anywhere for um, those Lakers games. So I do think now is a really good time to get some rest for some players. You know, you saw Jordan Clarkson is a bit hurt, so he wasn't playing against Portland. And maybe, you know, maybe you let, even if it's not letting O'Neal rest completely, maybe you let O'Neal play the first and second quarter. And then depending on where the Jazz are at there, he doesn't play the second half. Because I don't think it's going to be a close game against Sacramento tonight. And even, even if it was, if we were down O'Neal and Clarkson, I think we win tonight. Washington, I mean, that's going to be a rough game, and you might need O'Neal in that. But again, dropping a game to Washington, especially them being in the Eastern Conference, isn't the best, especially with the Suns snagging the tiebreaker this week. But I still think, like you said, with the complexity of the Jazz schedule going down the stretch and it really not being that hard at all, that resting is more important than running away with the one seed. And it'll be interesting to see seeding is just going to be so weird since, you know, do you want the one seed if the Lakers and the Clippers are the four or five seeds? And <laughs> that's true. Personally, let the Suns be one and we can be two in that case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, I mean, Denver hasn't lost a game since the trade deadline. So, I mean, if you're going to be the, two, if the jazz are going to be the two seed with, Denver at the three seed and you're playing Denver in the second round. Do you want that? And I, I don't know. I maybe it's just for the excitement side, but I'd almost rather play Denver get the revenge game, but get, they are like you said, they're they a tough team, especially with the, with the addition of Aaron Gordon. 
So here's my thing on Aaron Gordon. I will need to see Aaron Gordon play in the playoffs and play at the level of intensity he's playing right now for me to think that it's a real thing. Because I think we've all experienced this, like at the beginning of a semester at school, first week of a new job, where you go out and you are just hitting all of the marks and doing everything you need to. So is he going to continue to be a great defensive player? Or is, you know, he going to regress to the mean like I think he will Mm. and kind of start missing out on assignments and like failing where he's failed in the past? And he it could be that he's on a good team and that he's hyped and he's ready to play and he's going to change who he is as a player. Or it's just that he's going to regress to the mean and become a mediocre defensive player again and be out of it because he's the fourth option on offense. And it just ends up being... Aaron Gordon doing Aaron Gordon things, which is really nothing too impressive yeah, other but, than looking amazing because his body is, <laughs> is something special, he, but he can jump over the rim. He can. Oh my gosh. But, but that doesn't translate to you having the skills needed to be a basketball player. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day to kind of go back to if we should be concerned about the jazz, um, honestly, I don't think there's like the three point shooting is the only thing that like is a major concern. You can look at game by game where there's like small little things like against the Suns, it let too many offensive rebounds, but I haven't seen that as a trend yet, so I'm not concerned about that. If the Jazz can get back to shooting forty percent from three as like around there as a team and shooting forty plus threes a night, and they can hold that up in the playoffs, I'm willing to put the Jazz against any team in the West. And yeah. I, I'd feel like Maybe they won't win the series, but I'd feel confident that they'd make it a series and that they'd have a really good shot at winning any series against any Western Conference team. And even if the Jazz only got up back to like 38%, I mean, that would still be something really special. And with how close the Suns game and even in the end, the Dallas game was, if the Jazz are shooting 35% in those games from behind the arc, from behind the arc I think we're talking about a Jazz who are on their 12-game win streak right now as opposed to a Jazz team that's lost two in a row and now started up another win streak of of one game to see how long they can continue it. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I 100% agree. When their offense is clicking, even not at like full speed, they're one of the toughest teams to guard, and there's not many teams out there who really have the tools to guard it. Yeah. So I do have a question for you, um, kind of in regards to seeding and concerns for the Jazz. So right now, 538 predicts that the Clippers and Nuggets will tie for the three seed. I don't know what the tiebreak would be on that. So would you rather have the Nuggets playing the Lakers at four as a Jazz fan? Or would you rather playing have the Clippers playing the Lakers in the 4-5 matchup to start as a Jazz fan? Assuming the Jazz are the one seed. That's interesting. Um, I don't. Or not even. Yeah, sorry. Continue. Like. As as um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot to consider, especially like how much momentum can the Lakers get before the playoffs? When do when does LeBron and Anthony Davis come back from injury? That could uh, impact this. But either way, I almost feel like. So assuming the Lakers are at a good spot come playoff time, yeah, I feel like if if they match up with the Clippers, the Lakers will win. 
if they match up with the Nuggets, I would almost favor the Nuggets to win. Obviously, that's a tough one. Um, Definitely. But with how the Nuggets have been playing, they they last year, obviously, they went on that incredible run. And I think they've learned from that and they've gotten gotten better, even with a couple key losses in the offseason. So I, I guess the question would boil down for me, would I rather play the Lakers in the second round or would I rather play the Nuggets? And I don't know. That's a tough one. I I think... I think I'd almost rather play the Lakers, even though I was just talking about how I I think it would be fun to play the Nuggets, and I think the Jazz would win if they're shooting. But yeah, uh, like the Lakers have more star power, but the Jazz are a lot deeper, and so in a seven game series, especially the Lakers coming off probably a tough series right before that, the Jazz might have a little bit of a better edge on a Lakers team in that case than a Nuggets team. Let yeah, and let me read off. The current matchups predicted as predicted by um, 538. And this is without playing games and stuff. You have a Suns Trailblazer series, a Clippers Maverick series, and a Nuggets Lakers series. And then the Jazz play the Grizzlies. And then the Jazz play the Grizzlies or the Warriors, depending on like how playing games go and stuff. Or the Pelicans. And that would be interesting. So looking at that, is there... I mean, Jazz over Grizzlies, I would take in a heartbeat. Jazz over Warriors, especially just with injuries and stuff, I'd take the Jazz in a heartbeat. Jazz Pelicans, it would take a couple heartbeats for me to take the Jazz. So, But looking at all of, their, all of these possible matchups, there is a chance where you could look at it and say, dang, if the team with home court advantage loses in the West, is this really an upset? Yeah. That's how good the West is this year. That's yeah, the, and the, after hearing that and like looking at the standings again, I think we need the Jazz like should fight a little harder than I was initially saying for that one seed because like do it for the first round, not the like because the second round is going to be hard no matter who you play. And yeah, I'd rather get an easy win in the first round to give you an, an advantage in the second round. Yeah, and looking at it, I mean the five thirty eight does predict the Jazz to get the one seed by four games over the Suns and the Suns do have the tiebreaker. And so that's why I'm a bit less concerned is because I just think the jazz aren't going to drop that many games down the stretch and the Suns have a really difficult schedule down the stretch. But what blows my mind here is you look at the seven seed in the West being at have predicted to have 41 wins. Um, you, then you have the Hawks being the fourth seed in the East being predicted to have 39 wins. And the Bucks huh. being predicted to have 45 wins as the three seed. How? Yeah. Like, I, this is why, and I understand that the conferences are set up geographically to limit flights. And for instance, if you had like Golden State playing Orlando, that that would suck from a flying perspective for those games. But this is why I want to get rid of conferences. Like we don't we don't want the Western Conference beating up on each other in the first round of the playoffs. That's not good for the NBA. The fact I, that you're going to have like the um Hawks or the Hornets or the Pacers or like the Knicks possibly make it to the second round over some of these stellar teams in the West is just disappointing and sad. Okay, so I pulled up the list of champions, and I'm just looking from the year 2000 
to 2020. Okay. Um, so that's that's 20 years, right? Maybe 21. I don't know. Yeah, 21 something. So yeah. the East has had the champion seven times since the year 2000. They they had the Pistons in 04, the Heat in 06, the Celtics in 08, the Heat 2012-2013, the Cavs in 16, and the Raptors in 19. Yeah. And and honestly, the Raptors probably shouldn't have won that one because, the, like, the Warriors were healthy. They wouldn't have won that one. So even with – and I think most of those years, the West was probably a better conference. And so I, I wonder, like, like there there is that argument that you have to have a much tougher route, but maybe – even though they might be a little more tired getting to the finals, maybe that prepares them better for that um, that bas- kind of basketball. So that, that's something curious to look at. No, I mean, when you look at it, and that's 7 out of 21, so the East has only won one-third of finals matchups, like, it should be closer to a 50-50 split than that. Mm-hmm. This season, I believe that the West has won, like, 60% of the games that they've played against the East and the East has, I mean, obviously only won about 40%. That's bad. It should be a lot. If you, if the conferences were equally matched, it would be so much closer to 50% to 50, 50. And I don't know what the NBA, if anything could do to make the teams on to somehow more evenly balance out the conferences, but it's definitely a concern that the NBA should have. Again, I don't know how to fix it. I can't think of any way to do it, but I it is kind of it's not the best for NBA basketball in my personal opinion. Yeah, I th- I think the only way you can do that is just change up how you schedule, which is tougher because then you have more flights and then when it comes to playoffs just do don't do one side versus the other just do one through 16 seeds. Yeah. Which which would be really interesting, but and the travel would be a lot crazier, but um, I don't think that's a big enough. Re- I don't think that alone is a big enough reason to say no to it. Okay, so so hear me out on this. What if instead of doing one through sixteen seeds, the number one team picked who they got to play, <laughs> and then the number two team picked the team they got to play? So that way, you know, if you do have Golden State, like a couple years ago, where Golden State would have been the number one seed, and Orlando would have been the number sixteen seed, Golden State could say you know what? We're good to go play um, Oklahoma City this first round. We're, we're going to save ourselves some miles here. And they got to pick the team they got to play. That'd be really interesting. Who, in, in this case, who would you have make, like with the, who would you have make the decision on the team? Or, or would just each team decide who, however I, I they want to decide? I do a draft order. So, I mean, theoretically, the number one seed could go and be like, yeah, we'll play the number two seed to start out. I, I don't think you'd ever see that happen. And, th- and you could the, run well, into some problems. Let's say the number, t- let's say the Lakers are the two seed and the Jazz are the one seed and AD is guaranteed to be out for that first round. I mean, true. then yeah. like that would be an issue because the Jazz would say, we want to play the Lakers. Like, we want to play the Lakers without Anthony Davis, and you wouldn't have time to get him back. I actually like that idea. I think that's a really that because it leaves it less to chance. Because like how we have it set up, statistically, it will be the right matchup. Yeah, but in any given year, it won't. It, it, you'll have some 
uh, some weird ones. And you've had years like, um, like the year that Dallas lost in the first round to the Warriors, uh, when the Dallas was a one seed and the Warriors were an eight seed. And it's like the Warriors just had the Mavs number that year. And I bet if the Mavs played the seventh seed, they probably would have like they would have definitely gotten out of the first round at least. So yeah, that that would bring more of that. At the same time, though, it would make it a lot harder to see. You'd see a lot less upsets in the first round, which I guess isn't as exciting for those like it's like the Knicks who are like just back in the uh, playoffs again. But they're an eighth seed anyway, so it's not like they're expecting to see an upset. Yeah. So maybe like the one caveat that I'd put in place is the one seed could pick from like the 13 to 16 range and you'd mm-hmm. kind of like give the team's ranges they could pick from or you'd say that they couldn't pick a top eight team or something along those lines, it, just depending on injury concerns and things like that. But I feel like that would be a way to implement the 16, um, the 16 team kind of playoff where you're going to have the 16 one matchup, but not have it necessarily put the number one seed in a really bad position by having to fly cross country every game. And that wouldn't be as big of a problem for Utah because we are a bit more central, but we're still not even that close to being central. The Pacers would be one of the teams that were in the best spot, like the Pacers and the bulls Mm -hmm. just being central to everything versus having the possibility of an East to West coast matchup. Yeah, that would make sense. I like that. I don't think it'll happen, but <laughs> it, it I won't. like the idea. <laughs> then again, had we talked about a play-in game idea two years ago, That's true. I would have been set on it not happening. So, again, I don't know if I don't think it'll idea. continue, though. And if I, you guys I want to know, at Adam Silver on Twitter, and <laughs> see if you can get him to watch this video and, and maybe get our idea on the map. But, so... Did you say you don't think the playing game will continue? Yeah, I. I, well, I think well, that's just no- kind of a, a shorter season thing, but maybe, well, I, maybe I feel like it. We'll have to do a video on that then. Let us know in the comments um, your thoughts on how the playoffs could be changed, and if you like the playing game, um, and we'll do a video down the line, maybe the weekend of the playing games, on our thoughts on if it should stay, if it's a good thing, and just kind of get more in depth on that. So. Thank you guys so much for watching. Come tonight, I'm going to be doing the post game for the Utah Jazz Sacramento game. And then just keep keep up with us this week after every game we'll be doing a post game. And thank you guys so much for watching. <laughs>